0: The Charles Adler Show starts now. So people ask, why are you doing a podcast? Haven't you had enough? And I sometimes wonder when I hear that kind of question, are people who ask it, are they projecting? Have they had enough? Do they want to hang up their headphones as it were or their skates or whatever it is in their lives that they're doing do they want to hang it up and just kind of go play golf and and reminisce with the grandkids and i'm not putting that life down if people want to do that that's fine but i have no intention of retiring several times when i have left the radio stations radio jobs the people who have employed me have said chuck do you want to do a retirement show no i don't want to do a retirement show you guys want to retire me? If you, if you do, that's your business, but I have no intention of retiring. So you have a lot of people in this business. I, I laugh about it all the time. That people who do their farewell shows and and retirement shows, and very, very often, it's not their choice, but I guess that's the most dignified approach that a company can have. If they don't really want you on the property anymore, <laughs> they just announce that you've decided to, to retire. So... Have I uh, ever been forced to retire by by various companies? No, I've never been forced to retire. But uh, let's just put it this way. When we have agreed to part company with each other, uh, the companies have wanted to portray it as retirement. So I guess technically I've been retired for what, 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Uh, The last time I I did a a show in in broadcasting, I was asked if I want to do a going away show, retirement show. I said, no, I have no intention of retiring. So here's where that story goes and by the way this is what a podcast is is all about people say why do you want to do a podcast it's very very simple i love sharing stories i share my story and then people whether they're in canada the united states anywhere in the world they share their story with me sometimes they share their story on the phone sometimes they text it sometimes they email me charles at charlesadler.com that's charles at charlesadler.com on twitter it's at charles adler at charles adler you can dm me direct message me it's very very easy Well, when the question comes up, why do you want to do this? Because, as I used to say, when I was a a country DJ calling myself Bill Nelson or Billy Nelson, I couldn't call myself Willie Nelson, my hero. Uh, That wouldn't make any sense. So I called myself Bill Nelson or Billy Nelson. And at the bottom of each hour that I was on the air at Richmond Hill, Just north of uh, Toronto, Richmond Hill, by the way, is uh, Connor McDavid's hometown. You'll find, if you don't know who I am, that in the stream of consciousness that some of us call broadcasting, or in this case, podcasting, I throw in all kinds of things that have absolutely nothing to do with the main purpose of the show. It's just that uh, I think that's how people have human conversations. They do a bunch of side stuff, right? They just uh, go into this ditch or into that ditch, and this car will be all over the road because that's the way... I drive. It has nothing to do with age. That is just the way I like to have a conversation. I like to deviate once in a while to something that has nothing to do with the main course. So yes, Connor McDavid I was born in Richmond Hill, Ontario, and I am proud. That i did broadcasting from richmond hill i think we had a, a 50 000 watt pipe so we were all over uh, southern and central ontario and i love country music for a whole host of reasons on a future podcast i may actually reveal why i do it and i certainly hope that i'll have some uh, country writers country musicians on the show from time to time it's something that i enjoyed a lot in the almost 50 years that i was doing the business that's right july is only a few weeks away july of 2023 this started for me professional communication started for me when i was 18 years old it was on july 1st 1973 on august 1973 that's when i turned 19 so officially okay for those of us who are treating communications like a just the facts police report i was 18 years old on july 1st canada day 1973 when i pushed the button for my six to midnight shift at ckgm in what for all intents and purposes was my hometown of Montreal. Why do I have to qualify how it was a hometown? Because it was not my birthplace. I was born in Central Europe in a beautiful city called Budapest, Hungary, which was not beautiful because of the politics. The politics was ugly. The politics went from fascism to communism anyway. It was very, very authoritarian. And uh, thankfully in uh, 1956 slash 1957, there was an opportunity to escape uh, from the land of my birth, into the land that I have spent most of my life in, and that would be Canada. So here we go, a podcast coming to this platform soon. It'll be on all kinds of platforms. I don't exactly know where you're watching this right now, presumably on Twitter, uh, maybe some other places, but uh, Twitter is uh, one of the places where I like to spend some time. Once again, you can always find me there, at Charles Adler, and you can direct message me, retweet my tweets, like my tweets, whatever whatever you want to do, the replies in the tweets I've got to give you a heads up on this. Uh, the replies in some of my tweets, some of which are political, because that's kind of the way I rule, are nasty. And some of the nasty replies are coming from people who don't really exist. Uh, they're trolls. That troll farms love to target me because I tend to not say what the people who pay for these troll farms want me to say. And so they will sometimes do it is known in Twitter as a ratio. You'll have a whole bunch of people just saying nasty stuff about me. Now, I just want to give you a heads up. No, I don't take it seriously. It's an occupational hazard. It just uh, goes with the territory. But the podcast, whether we do one a week, two a week, three a week, whatever we do, uh, the podcast will involve whatever it is that is on my mind in the moment. That's how I did my radio show for many, many years. That is what drove what I will call the most authentic version of me. Yes, over the years, there have been many people, including some people that employed me, who wanted me to do particular topics and interview particular guests. I'm not saying it never worked out, but it kind of never was 100% me. It was an impersonation of what a person sounds like when they're talking to someone they don't much care about. I'm not saying I had to do that a lot. I didn't have to do that very, very much. But when I did, it was one of those things that drained the passion from me. I can go on for hours and hours and hours as long as it's real, as long as it is, to use that overused term, authentic. Everything about what you're listening or watching right now, everything that you're paying attention to right now is 100% authentic. Nobody is telling me to say this. One of the people that I'm thankful for is Ryan Jesperson. I'm on Ryan's podcast every Monday. Ryan is the guy who sort of asked me to to climb out of the the retirement coffin, even though I said I wasn't going to retire. I certainly behaved like a retirement person and a retired person uh, for a number of months. I really had not much motivation to do what I'm doing right now. And uh, Ryan Jesperson, who was in some ways a child prodigy of mine, he uh, grew up uh, listening to talk radio and one of the people that he liked to listen to a lot was me in his hometown of Calgary. I was doing syndicated radio. We were on all sorts of cities in, in Canada. And one of the cities was Calgary and that's, uh, Ryan's hometown. He lives in Edmonton right now. That's the way the, the cookie crumbles. And he's just an absolute lion in Edmonton and in many other parts of the country, but Edmonton is home base for him. And I join him every Monday. He's the guy who asked me to reconsider. A tentative decision to just kind of step away from the microphone.
1: Hi, I'm Joel McLeod, co-host of the 905er podcast. The 905 is one of the most diverse and densely populated regions of Canada. Four and a half million of us live, work, and play in the area surrounding Toronto. That's more people in the 905 than actually live in Toronto. Each election, the 905 decides who forms our government at both the provincial and federal levels. So why isn't more attention being focused on us here in the 905? We're looking to change that. My co-host, Roland Tanner, and I tell the stories that define what we are calling the most important region in Canada. Each week, we bring to your attention news, culture, and issues that make up what it means to be a 905er. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Or you can visit us at 90fiverr.ca to subscribe.
0: So I stepped away for a little over a year. And then Ryan is the guy who got me back in. Ryan is the guy who sent me this. When you're um, in the business, you do drink a lot of coffee. (laughs) Probably too much. It's one of the reasons why you tend to be a little bit hyper. But I'll tell you this. And and this is a tip because I know we we get all kinds of people who want to get into the business of public communications. Listening to me over the years, I I love getting your email. I love getting your your texts, your calls, and I love uh, talking with you. And I love being a mentor to God knows how many thousands of people. So for the people who are trying to sort of learn something from this, because they may want to do some communications in their own career, I can tell you this, even though you want to be as authentic as possible, you just want to be yourself. If you talk just a little bit faster than you do in real life, it's much easier getting people's attention. I have no idea why this is. Some people go on the air and they slow down. They speak like broadcasters. They want to make sure that people hear every single syllable, every morsel. They want to have that kind of diction, that kind of elocution, and they have in their minds reached a sort of state of linguistic perfection. But I'm here to tell you, and I've been on the other side of the screen where people are asked people in so-called focus groups are asked to tell the person leading the focus group who is getting their attention and who is losing their attention and slow talking may sound good to the ears of the people who are talking, but they do tend to put people in a state of mind where They may even fall asleep on you. Certainly mentally, they're going to sleep. So sometimes people say, why do you talk fast? Well, I've always talked fast. That's just the way I am. But uh, why do you talk fast on the air? Why don't you slow right down? Well, it's not rewarded. If I thought that I was doing a benefit for my listeners by slowing it right down, I would do that. But I don't. And so for those people who are... Modeling themselves after people who speak very, very slowly. Uh, I'm here to tell you that I have nothing against any of those people personally, but they are not doing themselves any favors, and they're not doing you any favors. Now, I'm going to slow down for just a few moments to say a few words to you. I cannot thank you enough for everything you've done for me for nearly 50 years now. There are people who are watching or listening to this who have been listeners of mine in various parts of Canada and the United States for a very, very long time. I don't know exactly why it is that you developed an affinity for me, a loyalty uh, to what I do. I know that at times I have ticked you off. At times I have made you so angry that you swore you would never pay attention to me again because I tend to have an opinionated life and my opinions are based on my own experiences and my own thinking. And my own experiences are not your experiences. You may have some similar experiences, but because we all have different experiences in our unique lives, we often have the kinds of opinions that tick off a lot of people who are paying attention to us. So I do understand that. And I am grateful for the latitude that you've given me to enter your lives. You have given me a better life than any human being deserves. And every now and then, I will do something that my grandmother Elizabeth would want me to do, and that is to simply say, thank you. As far as she was concerned, it was the most important virtue that people had. And as far as she was concerned, the people who didn't have gratitude, who didn't really feel gratitude in their hearts and didn't express gratitude, uh, were the kind of people that she did not want in, in her life. She just felt it was very, very important. So every now and then, when you're getting these visits from me that we call podcasts, uh, you will hear me express gratitude to some of the people in my life who are members of my family, whose shoulders I've been standing on for just about half a, a century. Uh, they are the ones who gave me my values, and specifically, I'll be talking about Grandma Elizabeth and my mother, Rose, and my dad, Mike Adler. Mike Adler is with me at all times. He is the late Mike Adler, and I'm not trying to creep anybody out but by saying this, it's just that I do believe that in everyone's life when you have a mentor whether the mentor is alive or has has moved on to what we sometimes call a better place or a safer place the spirit of that person lives on lives with us i can't uh, give you an mri of that spirit i can't do any of those things i just know what i feel and i feel that mike adler is with me at all times and as far as i'm concerned when when people talk about standards And what standards do you follow? And what philosophy do you observe? I don't look at my life that way. I simply wanna make sure that everything I do honors the memory of my late dad, Mike Adler. He's the most honest person I've ever met. I saw him do communications inside his store that were unbelievable. I've seen him make people laugh and I've seen him make people cry because he has connected with people in immeasurable ways. I don't honestly think that I can ever be the kind of communicator that Mike the tailor, Mike Adler was. But this son of a tailor is so darn grateful for the life that he gave me. He's the one who saved my life. He's the one who, along with my mother, helped to create my life. And I want to dedicate this podcast and, frankly, every podcast to the memory of Mike Adler, the man who rescued me in 1956 from a hellhole. This is not to disparage the people in the land of my birth. That's not what it's about. But the politics in the land of my birth was very, very nasty. He saved me from that. He brought me to the promised land of Canada. I was able to spend many, many years here doing exactly what you're seeing me do right now. I was also able to spend many years in the United States doing what I'm doing right now. So it should not surprise anyone who listens or watches me from time to time that there are many countries in the world I admire, but only two that I really am grateful to for the life that I've had. And that would be Canada and the United States. Right now, all I want to say is thank you to members of my family who had me. I want to thank members of my radio and television and broadcasting and podcasting family who have been supporting me for all of these years. And I do want to thank Ryan Jesperson, for bringing me back from the semi-retirement coffin and motivating me to do exactly what I'm doing right now. Charles Adler, the podcast coming soon. Catch Charles Adler Mondays on Real Talk with Ryan
1: Jesperson, twice a week in the Winnipeg Free Press and every day at